Welcome to Kyle and Dave versus the Machine. My name is Kyle. And I don't know where I'm from. So, no, sorry. I don't have a last name and I'm traveling alone. So my name yeah. is Dave Solo. Dave Solo. <laughs> yeah. Stupid. And I'm the Machine. Yeah, I can't wait to discover how you came up with that name by the end of this episode. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be 2018. You know, the machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to. Although, we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself, which is a tall order this week because I do not remember this movie that I watched two days ago. And today, we are going to be watching that film the very memorable film called Solo, Solo, a Star Wars story. You're after something. Is it revenge? Money? Or is it something else? You look good. A little rough around the edges, but good. Heard about a job. Big shot gangster putting together crew. I'm a driver. And I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. What do you think? Well, what do you know? You have to be careful, because if you search just solo... You won't find it. Twelve other films show up before this one? <laughs> uh, do you mean free solo? Free no, solo. I mean the Star Wars solo. You would think I know that Star Wars being the one of the most recognizable brands, if not worldwide, at least in North America, when I go onto my Google box and type in solo, something would pop up and be like, oh, do you mean the Star Wars it's movie? Crazy. If I type in the word Empire, yeah. Empire Strikes Back is like the second or third yeah, yeah. thing that shows up. <laughs> I don't know. Letterboxd does not respect this movie, and neither should we. Well, we'll get into it. It's not Venom. I'm going to show my cards on the table, Dave, yeah. or my Carlac. What the, what's, the, what's the game that they play? On. Just keep your pants on. Whatever the game is that they play in this, this movie, oh, these roles I'm very oh, questionable yeah, yeah. about. With the shaped they have cards shapes and stuff anyways. on the card, yeah. Anyways, I'm putting my cards out on the table and revealing that uh, I am going to be pretty negative about this movie. And at the same time, it's not like I hate this movie no. because I can't remember this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like it's just such a thing that goes out into the ether and then I forget about yeah. it. Yeah, I've seen it twice and I still can't tell you really everything that happens. I'm pretty sure I've seen it more than twice. And every time <laughs> I've put it on, I ask myself why. And then I ask myself, why don't I remember anything about this movie? It's really mm -hmm. long, too. Yeah, it's over. It's like two fifteen or something like that. Oh, what a mess! You know, Dave, uh, we've been we've been kind of mentioning this the last few weeks. We have somehow, when we return back from our long space voyage, and then we were trapped literally in the year nineteen eighty two. We thought we'd come back. I mean, you've been with your family now uh, for like the last few months, yes. and we just discovered here recently that we're actually in, the, in a multiverse. We're in a different universe. And I've only just discovered just this week, we're living in the universe where Disney didn't buy everything. Okay. Yeah. That'd be right. nice. This alternate universe where they don't yeah. own Star Wars, they don't own Marvel, they don't own Pixar. Wow. They're like a failing brand. And weirdly enough, there is flying cars. So I don't know. I don't get how <laughs> that a correlation. works. There's a correlation. If we had a freer market and not as many monopolies, you're saying that we'd be more advanced? That's impossible. <laughs> Jeff Bezos would not agree. 
Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jeff Bezos. Uh, also does not exist. Also Freedom. does not exist. Yeah, that's sweet. That's great. <laughs> and there's this online uh, portal called uh, the the Danube. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, anyways, that's our huge deep and rich fiction that everyone tunes into each and every week. We're losing the plot more and more each week. I think we need to start off with this. Before we jump into the movie, yep. there's uh, some things we should talk about, I guess, as far as like our feelings towards them, our history with them. And the very first one is uh, what I'm calling New Star Wars. So basically everything that came out from 2015... onwards is what I'm talking okay. about here. Yep. That's New Star Wars. Okay. What's been your feelings towards this uh, new run of films and tv shows so 2015's after like so the third starting from the third trilogy yeah okay. i'm talking about force awakens okay. starting from the force awakens i haven't rewatched those uh, but i do remember liking the first one that jj abrams even though that was also a fan service movie i liked rebel one what is it called? Rogue One. Rogue One. Clearly not that much. Although that was a little bit uneven because I'm not sure why there were ninjas in it. But that's kind of like my favorite part. Yeah, Donnie, that's great in it. <laughs> I like that they brought something a little bit different to the flavor of what Star Wars is. I'm been. just trying to understand it. I know like they mucked it up with Phantom Menace and making everybody into these like, like Yoda's doing backflips. I, as soon as that sure, happened, I sure. just, I lost interest. I will say this. I mean, when we get into the backstory of how this movie got made, Rogue One has just as many problems as far as make, getting that movie made. In my opinion, that movie is able to stick the landing mm -hmm. uh, where this one doesn't. I but, mean, other uh, than deep faking Leia. Um, shows, I liked the first season of Mandalorian. I can't remember if I saw the second. I definitely haven't seen the third. I liked Andor. And everything else, I think, I have no interest in. I mean, is there mm -hmm. anything I'm missing? Is there something... Well, what, what were your opinions of, like, the other, like, mainline Star, Star Wars films? I'm talking episodes, uh, oh, like, 89. Like, uh, I remember the third one I thought was fucking horrible. The second one I thought was messy because they wrote off john boyega like he didn't have a big role sure. in it and adam driver's good in it but he went full emo and all i remember by the end is i didn't really care too much about any of it <laughs> you know it's, so it's interesting i mean okay let me work up to what you just said here. Yeah. I'm trying <laughs> so, to, I, can, I can't remember. They go to another planet. Let me let me backfill some stuff here. I have been on record yeah. on this very program. Yeah. I'm the weirdo that it, I've never really been a Star Wars person. I've liked and or loved some of the previous films, but it's never been like, oh my God, Star Wars. It's like my be all and end all thing. It's just never. You don't dress up in robes with a plastic lightsaber? No. no? Even like. I've, I've told, I know I've told this story on the show, but just to reiterate it, I remember growing up and the people in my life that were Star Wars obsessed were like, oh my God, Boba Fett. Boba Fett's like the most awesome character. He's in it for like four minutes. Yeah. Like I, I still am so baffled by why he is like the big thing. But then know. I never read any of the novels. I didn't read any of the extended stuff. I never played any of the video games. So I, I'm so outside of that fandom I don't know. that I'm just watching the movies. I'm like, I don't understand well, why you care about these characters. I don't think it was the fan fiction because I remember when I was a kid and Star Wars toys are a big thing. Boba Fett was cool. I think Boba Fett was cool because it's like, you know, it's the 80s and ninja assassin bounty hunters is like this good crossover from westerns. There's just something mm -hmm. interesting because he he did capture Han Solo, so like I think that might be why. Because I remember the toy was really cool. Sure. Maybe because he had a jetpack. 
I also never had any of the toys, so I guess maybe that might be also well, part of it. I mean, I, I was know. a little older than you, and the big thing was G.I. Joe, Transformers, sure. and Star Wars toys, and you just built opera. Yeah, I had the that. first two, and yeah. not the last one. Yeah. So I also came to Star Wars pretty late. Like I was like 12 or 13 before I watched any of the uh, movies, uh. so... Again, did not grow up with yeah. them really at all. Mm. We don't need to really get the, the prequels. So just to talk about the they're new shit. Star Wars. Yeah, they're shit. I was, <laughs> I was a big fan of Force Awakens. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I saw it like the first three one? times in theaters. I actually really yeah, the JJ enjoyed Abrams it. One? Yeah. Well, you went three, you Titanic'd it. You went three times in the theater? In the theater. You paid them? Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. one of those times I didn't pay for it. But yes, <laughs> I did go oh, three just times. Now Okay. Okay, that's a lot. It is for me because the most I'll ever do is two, maybe if I'm like really loving mm. something. But uh, that's been a long time. It's been a long time since I've done that. It was really exciting. It was exciting. I thought they did some great, uh, you know, like reintroductions of some mm -hmm. characters. It's dumb, but like even I felt a tinge of emotion when Han Solo does show yeah. back up in yeah. that movie. It's exciting. It is absolutely fan service. Like there's no way around it. It is just the first movie kind of told again with some different characters. Now the sec and then Rogue One I liked, but I wasn't like in love with it by any stretch of the imagination. But I thought I was doing some interesting things. I was like, okay, now that Disney owns Star Wars, and the idea was at that point a Star Wars movie every year. That was the goal, was there was going to be a Star Wars movie every single year. And for the first little bit, that gamble paid off. Force Awakens made over a billion dollars. Rogue One made over a billion dollars. The Last Jedi made over a billion dollars. So it seemed like, okay, well, we're on a roll here. They're, they're doing their thing. They should have made a movie with just droids. Last Jedi is this inflection point, right? That is the Ryan Johnson written and directed one. It is what breaks the fandom. Okay, it is. I don't, did, did you follow any of the online stuff? Or do you, are you totally outside of that? No, I just know that it melted uh, the online fan base. And yeah. uh, even the second one, like, you know, honestly, even the first one, there was already a schism building and there was a lot of hate on J.J. Abrams for some reason. Yeah, but there was still pretty much a mostly general outlook of that first yes, film. Yes. It might not have been like enthusiastic. It was basically like mild like support to like enthusiastic. yeah, yeah. yeah. The second one, when it comes out, I remember coming out of that theater with my feelings and then going online and being like, whoa, I was not expecting this because it was either this is the best Star Wars film that has ever been made or this is the worst Star Wars film also that has incorrect. ever been made. And there was no in between. This is, that was the dialogue. That's like the, isn't such a reflection of American culture right now? I don't know. Why, why do we have to be so polarized? Well, I mean, I mean, that got into it too, like woke politics got yeah. brought into the discussion of that yeah. movie. It was just so weird. I just felt it was so weird for that movie. There's some things in that movie that I think are gorgeous. I think that some of the sequences are so good. Mm -hmm. But let's be fair. I, I agree with you mostly. I think that is a messy movie. It is not one that I necessarily love, but I also don't hate it. I, 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 I appreciate the big swings. But man, it, some people tweeted that. Like, they drug out their dog and shot it in front of them. Like, they hated it that much. I think, too, like, you know it gets amplified? Trolls that try to yell louder than other trolls so that their name pops up first on algorithm. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, you know, we, we, this is the problem with algorithmic culture. It's like, you need the most vitriol to just be seen. And I don't even mm -hmm. think that the haters hated this movie that much. Talking about algorithms, like this is, if you want to see like the one of the biggest divides, I'm, I'm loading it up right now on Rotten Tomatoes, critics, 91% positive about The Last Jedi, audience score, 42%. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that is nearly a 50 point swing. 
Now, if you look at the, it's actually the exact reverse. If you go to the, to the last one, episode nine, critics are like at 42% and fans are at 90%. Like it is so wild. The Rise of Skyverse is the last one and people yeah. like that? Some fans did. Yeah, wow. I did not. I actually left that film actually pretty bummed. Is that the one with the Star Destroyers? Like all coming onto this weird planet and these like giant statues? Yeah, yeah. They all like, like some whole the bunch of them and then they have a horse about? running on the, what was on it the bridge. About? What happened? Well, they had to make that movie in two months, Dave. Like, anyways, you can read about that, the whole production history of that somewhere else. Wait, which is the movie where Luke Skywalker stands in front of a giant wall and fights somebody? Yeah, that's... Is that also the last one? No, 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 no. That's, that's Ryan Johnson's. That's the, the, second the middle one? one. That happened the second one and Johnny Boyega went to some weird casino planet? Yes. Yeah, that is the second How one. How is yes. that all in one film? With the Asian girl yeah, that everybody hated because she was too cute? Like, what the fuck was I, going on? I also don't understand the hate on that character, so either, but that's beside the okay, point. Okay, all right. Anyways, messy movie, but I enjoyed that. What I liked about Ryan Johnson's movie is the same thing we talked about in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. What I thought was so good that seemed like what this new trilogy was setting up was getting away from that idea that like, can only be one person. It's this mm. chosen one who yeah, has yeah. to come and save the galaxy. The whole point of Ryan Johnson's movie was anyone can be a Jedi. Everybody has a part to play, yeah. Everyone has a part to yeah. play in this. And then the third one comes out and is like, nope, sorry, <laughs> that is not true. Yeah, we're going back. And it was such a deflation for me. I'm like, oh, that's the part that I liked the most mm. from that movie. And you basically just completely ended it. They've, so yeah, they wrote Skywalker. out every character. And it's just weird. Was that, so the third one, I think I read this too, and we're spending too much time on this, but they wrote out a lot of the characters because they were trying to answer to fan service, right? It's just mm -hmm. stupid. It's just stupid. For good or for ill, Ryan Johnson broke Star Wars. At least we got glass onion, so I'm happy. I'm yeah. fine. However, with that breaking of Star Wars, okay. let's say it, okay. of uh, The Last Jedi, then this movie comes out and we'll talk about how it underperforms. And then they had to do episode nine. But there hasn't been a Star Wars film since the, the, those films, right? Like they really had to be like, okay, we have to figure out what our movies even are. Move to TV. I'm like you. I, like, I really enjoyed the first season of The Mandalorian. And I enjoyed the second season until the last episode, I'm like, ugh. What I got really bummed out by the last episode of season two. Wait, what was the second one? That's when they bring in Katie Sackoff and all the different Boba mm -hmm. Fetts. And what happened at the end? Spoiler alerts if someone has not seen Mandalorian season two, but uh, Luke shows up. Like literally, Luke Skywalker oh, shows up okay. at the end and saves everyone. I thought that was one of the movies where he's like walking along the bridge. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. That's, that's, okay. That's Mandalorian, that's Mandalorian season, season, two. season two. Okay. And then I was like, I kind of checked out. I was like, I don't really want to watch yeah. this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole point of this was that it was something different. It was something out on they the outskirts. Very episodic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I like that type yeah. of TV show. And so I kind of checked out from there. Have you tried Andor? No. I think you'd like Andor. Basically, it's quite Mandalorian <laughs> season two was like, I don't want to watch any of the other stuff. I'm yeah, out of it. I'm out of it. Really, what, what, at the end of the day, there's this woman named Kathleen Kennedy who's been the head of Lucasfilm for many, many years, is the one who's basically overseeing. She's like the Kevin Feige of the Star Wars universe. Lucasfilm, okay. but of Star Wars universe. And she's basically come on record as like, listen, we had to like really pull back to figure out what we even want to be and who we are. Which is why you haven't seen any film projects. If you followed this online, it's almost comical at this point. The amount of Star Wars movies that have been announced and then canceled. Oh. Like a year and a year and a half later. Oh. Because it's like the Game of Thrones showrunners are going to make a Star Wars movie. Actually, no, they're not. Ryan Johnson is going to have a new trilogy. Actually, no, he's not. This guy's going to have a Star Wars movie. Well, actually, no, he's not. But like those officially so, come from the studio or those are Twitter rumors? Yes. Oh, wow. No, no, no. Those are like official statements from, from Kathleen Kennedy. These are movies are being made. That's unusual, eh? For like that level 
Yeah. That's what I mean. Like there is something deeply like not working well within within that area. They've just recently brought out like Taika Waititi has now just been announced to do a Star Wars film. And what's name? Ridley Scott or not really Scott. Um, Daisy Ridley is coming back. I'd watch a Ridley Scott Star Wars movie. Me too, actually. But <laughs> Daisy Ridley is coming back to be Ray in an upcoming film. Oh. Um, so okay. she hasn't, we'll see. I don't know. She we'll has see. the Star Wars curse too. She hasn't really mm-hmm. been in anything. Even Johnny Boyega, John Boyega was like almost a really big thing. And this franchise broke him too. And actually he's very negative about the Star Wars experience, Why? which I understand being basically written out of that yeah, second yeah, yeah. film. Cause in the first one, he was going to be a big deal. And by the yeah. conclusion of the first one, you're like, maybe he is a Jedi. Maybe the whole thing's going to follow him. And then it doesn't. And then it doesn't. And this film. So this film comes out. Did you go see this in theaters? I'm guessing no. No. This was probably a rental because uh, Disney's not out yet. So probably a rental. I probably paid money, but like mm-hmm. six or seven. I think it was probably still six bucks at that time, 2018. Now that's seven yeah. bucks, we just don't rent. I know it's a dollar and petty, but it's a lot of money, man. I will say, leading up to this film, I, of course, being the online person I am and reading the news stories, knew just how much of a bad production this was mm, behind the scenes like so there's a little bit of that leading up to this i say that the biggest thing in the conversation around is like is this kid that they cast mm. as young han solo gonna be able to be a young han solo no. and the answer is no <laughs> which i feel bad because i don't think anyone could have I like i really don't i think when you bring in something as iconic as harrison ford's performance you can get an approximation maybe but then you're just doing parody at that yes. point and i just i just don't see anyone fully coming into this and coming out unscathed Especially because you had just seen him come back yeah. into the Star Wars universe very seamlessly and be like, oh yeah, Han Solo is cool. I think too, this obsession with Hollywood right now and remakes and reboots and prequels, it's a tall order in general to make something fit that wasn't there before. I mean, half the right. beauty of Han Solo in the first trilogy is you have absolutely no idea who he is, except for the character that you see before you on the screen. I don't want to know, mm-hmm. you know, if he lived on a fucking raft when he was a child, it doesn't matter. It's more fun that it's Harrison Ford talking shit and uh, getting the ladies and shooting things and hugging Wookiees. Yeah. It's like... I know we've had this disagreement before too. I am not necessarily as knee-jerk, like anti-prequel, I think, as you are. Simultaneously, I just think you have to have a good reason <laughs> to go to go that route. And uh, when we get into the discussion of this film, I'll go into a couple of options like, what they decide to be like, oh, people need to know the answer to this are questions that, like I just don't care Nobody about. Cared. Like, honestly, there's other things I think they could have focused on. It's like, okay, cool. Let's expand this character. The biggest thing um, I was reminded of, this came up actually on my TikTok feed, if I'm being honest. And it was this conversation with this writer of The Office, the sitcom The Office. And he was talking about his first script he was given was in this season two episode and he needed to expand this the character of angela and for those who don't know basically all you knew by season two of that it was like she was prim and proper and she was religious i think those are the two things you knew about that character and so we basically just followed that and uh, within the episode of them doing this gift exchange she got like i forget like a bible or something i don't remember what it was and the showrunner to his credits is like no like we have to do something more we already know that about this character all you're doing is saying something that we already know about this character dig a little bit deeper find out something else that we can reveal about it and i feel the same about this movie it's like nothing that is revealed in this movie gives sheds us new light on the character Mm. it's just stuff that we already know about and honestly some of the stuff that they do quote unquote reveal is dumb like i just don't 
No. And I'll just call it right now. The Han Solo name is like I, awful. Okay. Like I never once in my life was like, but why is he called yeah. Han Solo? That's never been a question that's crossed my mind. That's like asking, why is Luke Skywalker called Skywalker? Who gives a flying fuck? It's just the yeah. character's <laughs> name. Like we can move on. Oh, Yoda is actually an acronym. Like, no, no, it's not. Fuck For, off. It's like, no, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything. I think like if you wanted to do, how did it get the Millennium Falcon? What's his relationship with Lando? That yeah, should have been sure. its own story, frankly. I agree. I think that's what they should have focused right. on. Yes. Or if you wanted to tie in Chewie, great. Because why does this guy speak Wookiee? It's hilarious. But like mm -hmm. we meet him in a pit and then he happens to already speak Wookiee. That's fucking stupid. You missed the point. You missed the point. Human mm -hmm. beings shouldn't be able to speak this language. So, or if they're not humans, whatever. Humanoids. They focused on all the stuff that doesn't matter. And then they glossed over the stuff that they couldn't answer. Right? Because I can mm -hmm. imagine a writer's room, you'd be like, how would you learn to speak Wookiee? We don't want to touch it. It's weird. Right? He would have to have lived on this planet. I want to see 15 minutes of him just going like, brah, <laughs> yeah. brah, You know, if it was a car like a no cartoon subtitles. TV show, there would have been something like that, right? Where he gets it wrong all the yeah. time at the beginning. I mean, there's good gags in that too. Actually, that would, see, again, you're, you're, you're doing something that's like, actually, that would be a more interesting film of him learning to speak Wookiee throughout this movie. Right. <laughs> where he's getting certain things wrong until he actually gets perfected. Yeah, you missed a good classic comedy gag right where he just mm -hmm. keeps mispronouncing things and you know you could have had chewbacca be like no uh, incorrect but they didn't yeah. they didn't even want to do that so it's just not fun this movie is not fun but why does he call him fuzzball <laughs> we should answer this question <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right well man. let's do this let's take a small break and then we'll come back and we'll go into a little bit more depth about our feelings about this movie all right dave we're here in our break section give a pitch tell people why they should support us uh, yeah, they should, because frankly, uh, we're getting gassed out and I don't know how long we're going to be able to keep this up, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't generate uh, something in return of all this energy, other than the power of friendship. <laughs> and really, isn't that the most important thing? Uh, I am still waiting for the, the ultimate reveal of like, but why? Why is your last name Young? How, how would that work? <laughs> oh, man. They, mis they miswrote Young on the uh, birth well, certificate. Well, that is, uh, that's what my dad said. That's how he, uh, <laughs> that's how he learned to, that's how he decided to spell it. Because he knew how to spell Young, and it sounds like Yun, so he took G off, and it's been the curse. Curse, because white people don't read it that way. Yeah, I don't know. If, if you can support us on Patreon, send us money, do anything you can you know, to promote us because, uh, what else are we doing this for, Kyle? It's been three years. Yeah, we're such <laughs> nerds already. I'm like randomly, you know, talking to people about movies from 1971. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a shit. Let me tell you about Million Dollar Duck. <laughs> what? What movie that nobody has talked about for 40 years? I was in that thing for my work and nobody knew any movies from the 80s. You know, what if I put pictures like, what if I talked about the devils? That's what I should have done for my Oh my gosh, you know, I want to break their brains. <laughs> I had a clip of the uh, nun orgy. <laughs> How about Pretty Maids All in a Row? You've not heard of Pretty Maids All in a Row? <laughs> Fuck. Anyways, please help us. Please help us, Obi-Wan. You're our only hope. All right, Dave, we're back here and we should probably come up with a scenario. So let's say that you, you, know, you found yourself in a mud pit, Dave. You've been thrown down into a mud pit. Happens a lot. And there you find yeah. a very tall, wet, we'll say kind of like dog person. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And uh, very nice though, very gentlemanly. And he just uh, gives you a cup of tea and is like, I also have this DVD copy. 
tea in the of mud. Solo, a Star Wars story. Yeah. What's it about? I would just say don't watch it. It's just a waste of time. What is this about? This is a prequel, a prequel as we follow a young Han Solo as he discovers... What is this movie about? I'm getting so bad at these synopsis. We did this Honestly, it's, it's just the backstory of Han Solo yeah. from Star Wars. That's just all it is. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's just the backstory. It's not even a good one. A young Han Solo as he uh, tries to reconnect with a lost love and ends up joining the rebellion. Also, Darth Maul shows up. Yeah. But, um, why, is Dar- why is Darth Maul? People were hooting and hollering in the in the theater, Dave. Hooting and hollering. So to pick up where we left off. Yeah. Again, I'm not opposed to doing a prequel. I just feel like everything this movie decides to focus on is supremely uninteresting. Yeah. I do agree that like, just breaking it down, like how does he get the Millennium Falcon? What does he learn through that? Because ultimately, this movie is asking you to follow a character who is like jaded and uninterested in helping people. And that is also where he leaves off. And not, not to tell like the people who wrote it. I'm not telling Lawrence Kasdan how to write a movie script. When, who am well, I? We, we should because they did a bad but job. I feel like the other way is to be an idealist optimist and turn him into someone who doesn't care. Yeah. Make everything get removed from his life. Or, yeah. So that that is where we show he shows up in A New Hope. Yes. Is him just dis- yeah disillusioned i just i just don't like this movie i hate how they use plot mechanics from all the previous movies they're just such lazy writing you know we have a jab of the hut worm character we have this like i don't know all of it was shit i hate how they introduce characters just to die like why is thandy newton and the voice of john favreau in this film like who sure. gives a shit they were not important to the plot at all for a second i think i text you like when the main bad baddie reveals herself as a human that's like half black halfway i was like oh maybe it's why thandy news in it maybe it's their daughter and it's not she's right. just a random person who yeah. wants to kill uh the empire which is fine you know nobody likes an empire yeah it's just a mess the idea that the rebellion was started with this like group of five ravagers or whatever you want to call them is mm. super weird uh, how is leia tied into that i don't really understand any of it the, I mean, the real reason is that this was supposed to be the start of a trilogy and that just never happened and is not going to happen like if you think about the timing how could this even be a trilogy that it would have to jigsaw between because like if darth maul's in it then anakin's a little baby how old is han solo actually well, no, because I think I'm pretty sure, again, Star Wars fans are going to have to correct me. This is happening post Phantom Menace, because even though Darth Maul is killed, quote unquote, killed in Phantom Menace, he gets resurrected in Clone Wars, I think. The TV show, the, the cartoon he's show. He's cloned? No, he's like, he gets chopped in half, falls to the bottom of that pit, and then someone takes him. Abroad. I'm, I haven't seen the show, so I'm doing this from, I think, what I read many years ago. So what we see on the projector is the second Darth Maul, and then in Clone Wars, he dies yes. again before. Well, okay. Well, Jesus Christ. Well, like, instead look, of me trying to make this up, I let me find out. I don't actually care. I just think it's stupid. In the animated series of the Clone Wars... So this is still this is still has to be post Phantom Menace. Okay, uh, in season four, Maul is found by another character on a on this planet, having been stranded there and driven insane. Maul uses the Force to construct a spider-like apparatus to replace his severed legs. But he doesn't have spider legs in the projection. I don't know, Dave. Right? I'm just I'm just saying what I they what fucked I've it read. all up. 
because that would make Han Solo already like in his 60s by the time New Hope starts. Again, fan service oriented, but they didn't even seem to care about how things would fit together. And maybe in this movie, Han Solo is supposed to be 16 or so. I don't, I mean, honestly, the actor's in his 30s, clearly. Yeah, I so. know. I think he's supposed to be younger than the actor portraying him yeah. for sure. So how old was Harrison Ford in, in A New Hope? 30 something? Late 30s? I don't know. I, I well, yeah, the actor, he was already in his 30s. Might have even been... No, yeah, 70... 77. 77. So Harrison Ford's probably in his late 20s or early 30s or whatever. I just, I don't know. I just think that every step of the way in this film, in this movie, in this travesty, in this waste of time, there's just a lack of forethought, you know? And I, I guess you're going to reveal to me some of the problems with its production that probably led to the fact that they had to just, you know puzzle piece this thing together but it doesn't have a good rhythm it's not fun the characters are not likable i uh, i think it's grossly miscast no offense amelia clark and woody harrelson and all the people that are in this like why are you in this movie like how did they even come up with I this will, thing i don't know i love paul bettany but why is paul bettany accepting this oh, role? let me tell you what i just found out today about paul bettany in this movie okay amelia clark is absolutely being cast off the success of game of thrones yes thousand percent that is why she's cast in this movie i happen to like amelia clark she doesn't do a lot for me in this movie to be honest i i don't know if i would say miscast as just just a bad character what's maybe? focused on isn't interesting with those characters i actually don't mind woody harrelson in this movie in fact his ultimate like uh the betrayal of the betrayal is actually kind of fun yeah. <laughs> there is isolated moments where i see how this movie could have been fun this gets into like rewriting the movie which is which is dangerous but i actually kind of like that train heist sequence. Train heist is, um, yeah. And honestly, wish they had just started the movie at the train heist sequence. Yeah. Like the the Kessel Run, there's some fun stuff there, but I, I also have issues of them even having to show the Kessel Run in this movie. Like, I like the idea of learning why he brags about it all the time. I hate that they went into the nebula and it became a Marvel movie for, you know, mm -hmm. like 20 minutes. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just messy and weird. They have this Cthulhu type fucking monster jump out, and you're like, I don't understand the point of this. I think the the, the one of the most fun things is them meeting Lando Calrissian yeah. the very first time. Yeah. I think that Donald Glover is able to bring such an enthusiasm to that he is not doing a Billy D. Williams impression at all, but he's bringing his own charm and his own I don't know charisma into this role. Yeah. So I did enjoy that. And also, why that works because Billy D. Williams isn't actually in the film that much like in two and three yeah. you know he he has charisma because he's billy d williams and he just appears but the character's not so fleshed out that there isn't this big lore so donald glover comes in he's a young and he could be even more uh, not brandish what do you call it he could just be more youthful and uh, silly and over the top and exaggerated and you're like yeah it's fun because i like donald glover they also don't have to do a plot beat of like but what is your why is your name lando <laughs> Because you land planes? Is that why they call you Do Lando? Do you eat a lot of calzones and they call you Calrissian? I mean, I don't really understand. Uh, <sighs> I need to know. Where did your last name come from? Stupid. You're getting a lot mileage out of this one scene in the movie. Hidden within all the chaff of this movie, there is these fun moments where it's like, oh, like this is what this film could have been. A fun, like heist movie yes with these two people that are like trying to battle against each other without having to bring in the whole like empire stuff yet yeah if that's what you wanted to build up to in this perceived like trilogy that's cool but i think that it just gets bogged down in him like going and fighting for this group for a while and then having to meet 
Chewbacca in this like really awkward scene and then doing this stuff is like well all these offhand comments that were done in the original trilogy we have to put them all it's in this crazy. movie to explain why he did what he did and I'm over here in the audience with my arms folded and be like no you can explain one of these things you don't need to have all of this thing stuffed into this movie well, it's even crazy to think that if you're planning to make a trilogy of it why are you trying to shove it all down your throat in the first movie but yeah what would what was going to be two and three then I don't know another like, train heist imagine, right yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Mess. I think the biggest thing is that it's just so supremely forgettable. Yeah. As, as as positive as I can be about like, you know, the movie looks good, I think, for the most part of it. it's I don't think anyone's like doing a bad job with acting, but everything is just so, I don't want to use the word boring. It's just, it, nothing is impactful Flat. throughout this entire movie where it's like, I think that's what I texted you. I was like, I'm forgetting this movie while yeah. I'm watching it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, I'm halfway through and it's like, wait. So what's happened again? Like I had to like pause and like read up on it. I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then continued watching it. I think this is my third or fourth time watching it because of COVID. I blame COVID. When I turned this on, thankfully, it's included in my streaming tithe. <laughs> yeah. It's like a scene will come up and I'm like, I know I've seen this, but I don't care. And I don't know what's mm -hmm. going to happen next. And then it happens like, oh yeah, I remember that this happened now. And then once the, I, this is one of the few movies I turned it off. Like it was close to midnight. And I still had an hour left because this thing's fucking bloated. And I didn't feel yeah, the is. urge to like, I just need to know what happened. I'm like, I can watch this tomorrow and it will not matter. And then when it was finished, I, I think you told me you were going to watch it. And I'm like, I don't remember anything that happened. I couldn't give you a heads up on the plot beats. We could have trouble uh, explaining the plot because I don't think there is one, frankly. You know, it's just... There's moments, but that's not a plot. Yeah. Um, I do think... I'll say it one more time. I do think Alden Ehrenreich is unfairly burdened with like the reason this movie fails. That is seemingly what a lot of people. Oh, okay. They, they blame him, put all the failures of this movie on him. I'm like, I don't know. I think that there's more to it than just the one person. But did he write it himself? Is it a he? He wrote it himself? No, I'm talking about the, the actor cast his Oh, solo. solo. Okay. Yeah, it's not his fault. He's not, he's not a bad actor actor no. and in fact if you watch the coen brothers movie hail caesar he is in that in a supporting role in one of the funniest scenes i've ever seen in a movie he is so funny in that one scene yeah. so i know he has charisma he has charm i don't think he gets a chance to use it in yeah. this movie but again he's hampered because it's like you're playing an iconic character that we've all seen mm -hmm. and grown up with you know, it's a tall order. I think it's a great observation. I think that if this movie came out before Harrison Ford sh showed back up as Han Solo, yes. I, th I think people, he would have got away with it. And I think that it's not even that he's a bad Han Solo. I think that it was too fresh and people were rewatching the original trilogy mm -hmm. to get prepped for the new one. And, you know, there's just so much hype. Uh, and then Harrison Ford, because he's he is Harrison Ford, when he shows up in uh, in the new trilogy, I mean... He's literally Han Solo. He's an old Han Solo and nothing has changed, right? <laughs> it's so wild to me that for an actor, this is Harrison Ford, for an actor who has always been saddled with like, doesn't have all that much range. He plays the same character in every movie. There is this subtle difference between like Han Solo Indiana and Jones, uh, Indiana yeah. Jones and all the other ones that he plays. Jack Ryan. As soon as he comes down to that ship, like, oh, that's Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know exactly what that is. And it's not just the vest. I don't know. Uh, we've had, we talk about this a lot because we watch a lot of blockbusters with these seemingly transcendent Hollywood superstars who are not known for their acting. They're just known for their energy, right? Like we've been mm -hmm. shit talking Clint a lot lately. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right? I mean, he comes out and he 
talks through his teeth, but every time he's on there, he you're like- He should have been Han Solo is what you're trying to say. His son, <laughs> Scott Eastwood. Actually, you, it's interesting you bring that up. Scott Eastwood did uh, audition, audition to he's be probably too in tall. this movie, which would have been a worse choice by far. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, and I don't hate Scott Eastwood either. Yeah. I'm just saying he was totally wrong for this yeah, role. Yeah, this is a tough one. And I think, like, for an actor, you gotta be careful in any acting capacity to join a franchise. Because nerd culture right now is too rabid and has too much power. You know, we see that with the MCU. You know, the fact that Mark Ruffalo gets heat for playing an intelligent, empathetic Hulk is fucking sick, mm -hmm. dude. There's something wrong with nerds because they're like, well, it's not like my comic book. Like, why is he not angrier? It's like, you can go fuck yourself because uh, it made a billion dollars. Like, he's actually funny, right? Can you imagine right, right, right. having something fun happen in a film? God forbid, just because you want to see <laughs> him in like, forbid. right? I saw a picture of bearded Hulk who survived the apocalypse or the one with uh, mm -hmm. Logan and he's got many wives. Mm -hmm. That's the one the nerds want. The polygamous angry Hulk because uh, mm -hmm, they're not getting mm -hmm. enough. So, I don't know. I just, I think he was, it was always up against it. Chewbacca gets a pass because you get to just wear a suit and mm -hmm. um, that's just too bad. I will say it's I do appreciate, bad. like not every single thing obviously, but I, I do appreciate how much practical effects there are in this. Like sure. Chewbacca is still a person in a costume yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's some other villains and other people that are just in makeup and not having to be CG creations. Yeah. I really dislike that they just threw in six slave Wookiees, like just randomly. Yeah. Why? Why? Unless we're going to go to the planet. And like, just get into, again, the second idea of a movie of Han Solo learning to speak Wookiee. And if they spend time in Wookiee land, wherever the fuck that planet would be called. Someone could tell us what the planet is called. They have said that, it before. That but. would be something, right? That would be uh, something worth exploring. Maybe on a TV show or something. I mean, it's probably too big. Solo 2, <laughs> Lost in Wookiee land. <laughs> Talking about laugh riot plot threads, uh, how about the uh, robot uprising and robot oh, rights man. that is addressed in this movie? Did you not think it was Tilda Swinton that was voicing that robot? I did. Yeah. And I actually even thought on this rewatch that it still was. Yeah. And I was like, oh no, that's Phoebe Waller-Bridge yeah. <laughs> when I looked at the credits. I mean, if there was ever a laugh, it was probably her sort of, uh, you know, the, the scene where she's talking about wanting to have sex with Han Solo. I mean, there was... Uh, no, Hans, uh, Lando Calrissian, yeah. Weirdly full circle here, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who is the voice of the robot in this in this movie, also has co-written and is co-starring in the new Indiana Jones movie that's coming ah. out here in a few weeks. So. Uh, good. I hope we can break the Hollywood trope and she's not going to be a love interest. No, I think she's her his daughter. Okay, good. If I'm not oh, mistaken. Like, do you think that the idea might be to reboot it, essentially, with a female Indiana Jones? I don't know. Everyone always says that. I... I mean, I'm sure that's what they want, mm. I, that they want offshoots and stuff. Harrison Ford has been very adamant. I don't think he has any say in the matter, but he's very adamant that when he dies, there is no more Indiana Jones mm. movies, but I don't think he gets to put that out there. Well, he can do whatever, he, he can say whatever he wants. Uh, he doesn't own mm -hmm. the rights to the character. Anyway, it, it's, it's, but I was going to bring this up. Do you ever watch Rick and Morty by any chance? No. I know of it, okay. but I think it was Cartoon Network. It's just not on. Yeah. Uh, public television. I only bring it up that in the best Rick and Morty episodes, it is bonkers how just as a throwaway joke, it's like that could sustain an entire movie about that just concept that you just like threw out there. I feel the same way about this. It's sort of important, but it's like, man, I kind of want to see that flesh out even more about droids being like, actually, we shouldn't just be mm. essentially slaves to these people doing all the stuff that they 
tell us to do. There is a kernel of something that's interesting if you have gained perceived sentience as a droid should you not have the same rights as a fully fleshed human but then she just gets to be the computer without a voice yeah so it's weird yeah why give her such a strong personality if she's just going to become a map well and that's the thing it's like this is a cool character you've just developed and now i get to know it's like yeah they put her into the ship which was never another question that i ever had in my entire life about unless the ship used to talk to them right but exactly like that would be something okay fine that's the voice of the the ship and that is how it came to be but that's not a thing that's ever happened in star wars it's just such a weird thing like we have to answer why han solo loves his ship so much i'm like no he doesn't even like the robots they have no relationship i don't think they even interact with each other through the whole film Actually, you know what? I don't think they do. Is there even a line of dialogue shared between those two no. characters? It does make sense why Lando likes the ship so much. And I just wanted to put it out there. Do you think he fucked that robot? It's possible. She said it's possible. That's what I mean. That part's memorable. I don't know. Even like the emancipation of the robots on that slave plan was super weird. You take off the inhibitor, which R2 had in the first movie, but it didn't make R2 stupid. It just made it so that he couldn't drive out of the fucking box that he was right. in. So it's like misappropriating or repurposing physical props to build in a story that makes no sense. And again, we aren't part of the cartoon lore. And I know there's a whole larger toxic culture about Clone Wars and shit. So maybe we're missing the point of why they wanted to weave these threads. Maybe Lando Calrissian is a more uh, is a more important and mythological creature in that you know in the novels and all this other side literature. Yeah, I do know that, that that is also part of the thing that got a lot of mega fans upset is that Disney essentially said all of the extended universe is not canon. Yeah, when they took over the rights, and that really made a lot of people mad. I think they might be slightly walking that back <laughs> with some of the announcements they've made, and cer- certain characters that I know have showed up in the Mandalorian that have only appeared in other properties, but. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. And th- this is the problem with these oligopolies, these like these capitalist structures. Well, not even capitalist, like these superstructures. You know, you get everybody under one umbrella. So essentially you get one tone, but that tone is still subject to people having to pay money for it. So you lose creativity. You lose the ability to tell original storylines and becomes all fan service. But then ironically, because the top level are not fans of the franchises they run, they're incapable of actually... Uh, supplying what the fans want, even when they're trying to do so. So, Well, I, I mean, I will say that like, I do feel that writers are caught between this rock and a hard place in one regard. Do you only do the fan servicey thing because that is what the fans want? Or do you try and do like the Steve Jobs thing, which is like, they don't know what they actually want until I give it to them. You should do the second. I mean, look at what happened with J.J. Abrams. Like he did the fan service thing. It's a beautiful movie. He does get the flack, kind of like Michael Bay, that some of his cinematography and his camera tricks are very repetitive. But then the fans turned on him and they were like, well, we want something different. It's like, well, you got something different. Yeah, now are- you're fucking upset again. Like you can't, you can't please nerds. It's not possible. Trying to chase down what fans want is a, as a loser's game, yeah. you're never going hole. to make them happy. Yeah. So you might as well be like, just tell them to go fuck themselves and buy into a new story, right? You know what this comes back to? Why Rathicon works, which was, it wasn't like the person that hated it, but it's like, yeah, whatever. Star Wars is Star, or sorry, Star Trek is Star Trek. But I never watched the original thing. And then he looked at it like as an outside observer. I'm like, oh, well, this story here would actually make a good yeah. movie. It would make a good story, a not movie. a good Star Trek story. It would make a yes. good story, right? 
And I think the people in power nowadays focus only like, well, we have all this IP yeah. that we can play around with, but we don't care what the story. We just have, we have IP that we can units. shovel content into instead of going the other way around. Like, do you have a good story that can fit into this IP? It, you know, I was reading briefly this idea of the rise of A24, and I think that's what they did. They looked, they did small budget features to find good stories, but we'll see yes. in our lifetime, in the next 10, 15 years, because they're a huge studio now, how we quickly now, they yeah. corrupt. Because once you get to a certain mass, in order to survive against the Disney's, not just get bought out by Star Wars properties, you're going to have to feed to the public too, because you're going to have to make yeah. a billion dollar movie at some point. And so we'll see if they start rotting from the core quicker than we want. It's hard because I mean, that was their whole thing. And again, like you just said, there's this is slightly changing now, especially where, like Bo is afraid and stuff like that coming out. But uh, their whole model for the longest time was like, what was it? It was like, we make movies between five and ten million dollars and hope to make thirty. Yeah, and just keep doing that over and over and over again. Find great stories. It forces to you to event. find great stories, right? Like, what are you going to gamble yeah. that on? Solo? Right. Absolutely not. You're not going to make Solo <laughs> right. for ten million bucks, right? Did you look up the budget for this no, movie? I, I I do that, and now I just I leave it because I like being shocked. I don't want to know yeah, okay. anything about. Let's, this thing. let's do some backstory here and we, we can get into the messiness of how this movie got made. I like that so, we spent 52 minutes so far and we actually haven't talked about the movie. <laughs> We've talked about everything oh, around it. Yeah. It's uh, it's mediocre. So <laughs> it, this movie opened up on May 25th, 2018. It is currently rated at 3.0 on Letterboxd, has a 6.9 on IMDb, has a 62 on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes, from 484 critics, it has a 69%, and 25,000 plus users give it a 63%. So it's middling as far as the, the response oh, I to just this. yawned. I've been talking about this movie too much, falling asleep. I know. It's available on DVD and Blu-ray. You can rent it on both YouTube and iTunes, and you can stream it on Disney+. Plus. Now, it's budget. Huge asterisks. I am going to put it out to this is because... It took way longer to film than initially planned. So this is the inflated budget. This is not what they started out with. But ultimately, this movie cost $300 million to make. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What? Okay, well, we'll talk about why they had to spend oh, just, $300 million to make this movie. I'm trying to catalog what $300 million buys you. Solo. It's crazy. Marvel movies don't cost that much. Yes, even um, this would have made both Venom and Spider-Verse with money to spare. Yeah. This is the plot description from IMDb, Dave. Okay, okay. It sounds like someone standing out on the street corner yelling at you. <laughs> Board the Millennium Falcon and journey to a galaxy far, <laughs> far away in an epic action adventure that will set the course of one of the Star Wars saga's no most way. unlikely heroes. No way. That sounds like the tagline, actually. <laughs> no thanks. We'll talk about that tagline. Let's play Guess, Guess that, that, tag. that Tag. This is everyone's favorite game because I get to put on my handsome blazer, pick up this long phone that Bob Barker used to use, and Dave has to guess what the actual tagline to this movie was. Um, Dave, you know when you go to the movie theater, it's that long row of posters that entice you to go and see a movie. This week, uh, there's no new movies coming out, so maybe you're going to go watch Fast 10 again. Of course, oh, that's that what you're going to do. already come out? Oh, it came, came out, out last at the time of uh, time this is coming out. last week came yeah. out, Dave. Yeah, it's great. You, you know that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a big burning one. up the box office. It's earning maybe? huge money. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. yeah. So you've seen that, but for Solo, a Star Wars story, here's your three options. One of these is real. Two of these I made up. You like him because he's a scoundrel. 
he takes orders from just one person himself <laughs> or never tell him the odds. I'll go with three. Yeah, it is three. Uh, the other <laughs> two are actually quotes that he does as well. But uh, I just just from the change of timber in your voice and just defeat. <laughs> this movie stars Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo, Amelia Clark as Kira, Junus Suatamo as Chewbacca, Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian, and Woody Harrelson as Beckett. Did did the actor of Chewbacca make the sound? Why does he get like title? He's credit? the actor inside the costume. I know, but. Right? Like, yeah, why? why Maybe he makes the sounds too. I it's don't weird. know. It's really funny to look at his uh, letterbox page and IMD page because it's just, it's five Star Wars movies. That's it. Well, <laughs> he was just Chewbacca just in Chewbacca, a bunch of movies. Yeah. Cinematography is by Bradford Young. I just want to point this out because we talked about it uh, during um, Creed and If Beale Street Could Talk uh, and even. Uh, and some other films, but this is one of the few black cinematographers that's in Hollywood. His top four are this movie, Selma from 2014, A Most Violent Year from 2014, and Arrival from 2016. So oh. all good looking films. Those are all, yeah, those are biggies. Those are biggies. Mm-hmm. This is written by Jonathan Kasdan and Lawrence Kasdan based on characters created by George Lucas. Directed by Ron Howard. <laughs> We'll put that in quotes for the time being. Asterix, asterisk. Ron Howard. Ron Howard. So Disney, of course, bought Lucasfilm in 2012, which meant that they had bought all of Star Wars. In early 2019, they would also buy Fox. So we're kind of in this interim period of them. They own Star Wars. They're about to buy Fox. But they had bought this with the idea of doing it with all their other properties, so Pixar and Marvel, that there would be a Star Wars film every year. And what Disney had not anticipated was that audiences were quickly telling them that they could not make billion dollar movies just because Star Wars was in the title. Oh, that's right. I forgot to tell you this. So the budget was $300 million. It made 393. Okay. Like this okay. did not do uh, well. It flopped. At the previous two Star Wars, no, three Star Wars films. Or billion dollar whatever. babies. Two or three have made over a billion dollars. This one did not come anywhere close to that. So now we've already kind of discussed this, but I wrote this in the, in the write up, like complete conjecture by myself. But I think that the box office was greatly impacted by The Last Jedi. Like, what is not up for debate is that Last Jedi broke the fandom into two camps. And I also think that Harrison Ford coming back also hurt it. But again, these are all things that I am making up that I have no way to base in truth or reality. The word of mouth from this film was also not all that good. It wasn't as vicious as The Last Jedi would be, but it just came off as mediocre. People were just not enthusiastic about this movie. Partly that is because of the terrible production history. So initially, it's Lawrence Kasdan. If you don't know that name, he's the writer of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. He also wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark. And he was tasked with writing this movie. Wild thing apparently that happens. So he's invited to take this meeting with George Lucas. And George Lucas essentially gives him nine ideas. It's like, do you want to do one of these nine ideas to make a new Star Wars film? And I won't go into what all of them were. One of them was like a new trilogy of Star Wars films. But he picks the one that, that was Han Solo's origin story, basically. He gets to writing that. And then three weeks later, George Lucas s- sells to Disney. So <laughs> he started doing this before Disney bought out Lucasfilm in the first place. So he's caught up in that whole merger of thing. And I will say all those other ideas that George Lucas had 
basically just thrown into the garbage. Wow. Like none of them were actually ever thought to be made. So that happens. Kasdan is then asked to come and help rewrite The Force Awakens while it's in production. His duties become a little bit more time consuming. So he says, you know who should step in and help finish this? The best screenwriter I know, my son, Jonathan Kasdan. So he gives it off to his son, Jonathan. Ooh, Nepo baby. Okay. Yes. And this film was supposed to come out the year after Force Awakens. Mm. It was supposed to be Force Awakens, this movie. Because of script issues and some production delays, they shift things. So Rogue One is the movie that comes out right after, makes its billion dollars. And this one is it just goes into filming afterwards. Basically, every young male actor auditioned for young Han Solo. Like, if you think of every young pretty boy back in 2018 or 2017 they auditioned for this to to be in this movie and eventually it's Aaron Reich who wins out Donald Glover was always the first choice for Lando and then a bunch of young actresses also auditioned for the female lead but eventually it goes to Amelia Clark who was the original director of this movie Dave because it was actually not Ron Howard when this movie starts this was a Lord and Miller production mm. Lord and Miller are producing Spider-Verse and they're like, oh, we're giving this opportunity because we've done so well for like yeah. 21 Drum Street and Color with a Chance of Meatballs and um, what's the other one? Oh, Lego Movie. All these are super big hits. So they're invited to come over and make a Star Wars movie. They come on. They see the script. They want to inject their own flavor into this. They like fun. And they begin filming. And I want you to remember this date in February of 2017. Okay. So in February of 2017, cameras start rolling and they're on set. In June of 2017, they are fired. Mm. So just to point that out, that is four months that they have been filming for, and they are then fired off of this movie. That is an obnoxious amount of time, mm -hmm. a four-month shooting schedule for this movie. Like even the, the blockbusters, like the Marvel films, three months is like the biggest length I've ever seen for those. So they've been shooting for four months. They're not done yet, and they're fired. They are fired because of creative differences. Yeah. yeah. Now, I will say, as contentious as it might have been behind the scenes, I don't know that, but uh, both sides have been fairly cordial about each other since this event has happened. But apparently, the biggest sticking point is that Lord and Miller like to be a little bit more loose with their shooting style, like a little bit of improv to be brought into it. They like to inject humor. And Jonathan Kasdan was like, if it's not exactly like it is in my script, you cannot say it and you cannot do it. So I think that was the biggest creative thing. I didn't know that screenwriters, especially the son of a screenwriter, could wield mm -hmm. that much power. After you know watching the dailies come in over these few months, I think producers finally got to this, got to this idea. This is not the tone that we want for this movie to have. It was fun. I guarantee you it was a better movie. It was probably fun and lighthearted. There's no way for me to prove it, but I also agree. I think they would have injected life into this movie yeah. where I think that they were, I feel like they probably could have keyed in just watching all of their other projects about like, we can still have humor and we can still have emotion yep. inside of this. So let's make sure we have both. Oh, and what also Lord and Miller were doing, we're doing it exactly the way Jonathan Kazan wanted and then doing it their way for a couple more takes. Probably because they thought they could just go into editing and make the movie that they wanted to make. Because they knew it was going to suck. I think this is the best Star Wars movie. Ultimately, what ultimately happens is that Jonathan Kasdan, um, I don't know if you know this, but his father is Lawrence Kasdan. <laughs> so they were able to fire them off the movie. Wow. And then his so, uncle, Ronnie, showed up to save the production. That's right. Yeah. There's this huge production that's filmed. It's already over time, over budget. 80% of this movie over four months. Yeah. 
grossly going over budget. They sh- actually shut down the production completely, tell everyone to go home. So what do they do? Well, why not get well-known nice guy Ron Howard to come over? <laughs> uh, the dictionary definition of a journeyman director, just like someone who can just do it, just come on and make this happen. Uh, so he's brought on to uh, you know bring it across Save the finish it. line. Yeah. The original editor was also fired at the same time. Ah. So they fired the editor, they they the directors, they bring on Ron Howard as his new editor. What a mess. Initially, there was the suggestion that Lawrence Kasdan would actually step in to direct because he has directed other stuff. But this is interesting. I didn't know this. Per the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, per their own rules, a replacement director cannot be someone who is already involved in the production. Mm. So it has to be an outside party that comes in. That would be a good measure against... A corruption and fraud. Howard had worked, of course, with Lucas before on American Graffiti, and he was the original person who was supposed to direct episode one. Mm. A little fun fact. So, But this is his first time becoming involved with Star Wars. And last. The one other person that needed to be let go was actor Michael K. Williams. You might know him from The Wire. Oh, Omar? Yes, Omar. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I didn't know his actor's name because I, I only know him from the one role. So who is he supposed yeah. to be? Paul Bettany's character. Ah. And he had filmed 70% of those scenes. Ah. Uh, but because production had gone way longer than he had anticipated, when they put the production okay. back up, he's like, I have another gig I have to go to. I'm, I'm sorry, I have to step down. So they have to recast Paul Bettany and reshoot all those scenes over mm. again. What a mess. Apparently... Lucas did visit the set the first day that Howard came came on and actually offered some suggestions for different scenes. So that's very sweet and nice. No, it's not because he's not a good director. Well, I know me and you disagree with that. I think he's a bad writer. I actually don't think he's a bad director. All right. But like I said, Howard is known to be good at keeping things on time and on budget. But because so many things had to be reshot, production finally wraps October of 2017. Wow. That means that this movie was in production for eight Full months of shooting, which is bonkers crazy to me. So I can understand why some of the actors look so tired <laughs> in some scenes, because they probably were for shooting for eight months. Now, Lord and Miller could have challenged the director credit on this movie because they were the first ones mm-hmm. who came aboard. Technically, they should have been credited, but they don't. They actually don't make a fuss about this. They instead take... They don't want anything to do with it. I think so. They basically just stay on as executive producers. That's what the credit is that they get, even though really they have nothing to do with this movie outside of like a few couple scenes that are were shot by them. Post-production lasts until April 2018, so just a month before this film is released, which isn't too out of the ordinary. And like we said, doesn't do as good as previous Star Wars movies. The reaction is pretty muted. The plans for the sequel were eventually scrapped. With this, and then the final Star Wars film the next year, that's Rise of the Skywalker, having also a pretty violent reaction. It made Kathleen Kennedy and those in Lucasfilm completely rethink what their movie role it was going to be. And they canceled basically every project, focus on TV. And there hasn't been a Star Wars movie since. And I don't know when the next one is actually scheduled to come out. Probably no sooner than two years from now, I'm going to guess, is when the next one you can be um, expecting. To to wrap this up, I like what Billy D. Williams is actually quoted as saying, because he did an interview very soon after this film came out. He praised Donald Glover's performance, but he also said, I think that the reason they didn't have the success they could have had is because they were going for something that was topical instead of an adventure that's far beyond those questions. If you're talking about this huge, incredible story, why lock yourself into this tiny moment between a character like Lando and his robot friend? Mm-hmm. That was his uh, his critique I, to the movie. Just hearing the production drama i just i suddenly think uh the whole uh, robot sex joke is totally a lord mill <laughs> thousand percent there's no way that is not an injection by them. yeah 
It's the only fun part of the fucking movie. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, this writer has not worked again. Um, Dave, I don't know if you know this or not, but his dad is Lawrence Kasdan. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's crazy that a screenwriter can wield that much influence over production. I mean, obviously, there's probably more to that. I, I Honestly, Dave, I honestly do think. I mean, I'm joking about it. I think he asked his dad to get them fired. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. honestly think that's what it well, is. Well, has to. I mean, if he's never been a screenwriter, like on a major production before, he would have zero. Yeah, I don't know what other stuff he's actually done. He'd have zero um, clout. It's not like he's an industry uh, figurehead. Well, uh, okay. So he was a writer apparently on Freaks and Geeks. Which is not a bad TV show. It's a great show, yeah. Oh my God, Dave. Oh boy. Oh boy. So, as far as major works, apparently he made a film called In the Land of Women in 2007. I have no idea Yikes. what that is. Okay. He wrote Solo and then he wrote three episodes of Willow on Disney. Plus. So, this guy couldn't get himself fired. He's just, yeah. he's a nobody. <laughs> he's a fucking nobody. That's crazy. It's that's a crazy story that a famous dad could give a production of a let's say a hundred million dollar production initially guaranteed production cost to his kid who's a who's a fucking nobody without any mm -hmm. any history other than a couple episodes on an obscure TV show, which is good, but who knows what mm -hmm. that means. And then somehow the directors who are already a known quantity could be asked to leave a set. For a script that obviously yeah. is written by by a noob. Can I just say though, it is wild how many people, both on the writing staff and actors from Freaks and Geeks, went on to be like huge after that show. It's a good show. Uh, it was canceled. It's very clean, smartly written. The one person that I'm still kind of upset never became a big thing was Lin Linda Cardellini, who continually gets miscast in things, and I feel so bad for her because I think she's great. Yeah. But I mean, she obviously drove that show. It was mostly centered around mm -hmm. her, but you know, she doesn't, right? She doesn't do bombshell. She does intelligent woman mm -hmm. and Hollywood doesn't like that. They don't like people who look intelligent and can, you know, read books. They want uh, people who, uh, who are different. Anything else you want to say about this movie? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, okay, oh, here's some things I Here's down. one thing. I don't like that laser swords have been appropriated by non-Jedis. Mm. I just, I feel like that's a huge break in trust with this idea that you have to forge your own blade. I and mean, that's part of the mythology, yeah, right, yeah. of the Jedi. And they gave this guy uh, laser daggers, which I think was a huge mistake, like from a geek fan service perspective. Again, I don't know how the TV shows and the books have dealt with this, but you lose that mystical idea of what a Jedi is and how they're tied to the color of their phallus. It's just like yes. it ruins the whole thing, you know, and it, it cheapened it. So while we were talking, that That's popped up. My autobiography, by the way, the color of my phallus. <laughs> <laughs> I swear it's green. It's green. I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. There's, we've talked about everything else I wrote down in my notes here. I'm just going to do one thing. This is not a criticism. This is not a nitpick. Just an observation. It's just weird having a Star Wars film not open up with the Star Wars fanfare. Oh, the title this cards feels... were terrible too, by the way. Oh, yeah. Right? And you could the tell blue. the writing was shit because... It, uh, I can't remember how it was phrased, but it was so cheap. It wasn't in, even in this like uh, fantasy novel uh, tone. Mm -hmm. It was like, hey, so we're now we're over here and this guy's got a beard. Like, it's just, it was awful. <laughs> it's it's fucking so Do you so like bad. that beard guy, though? Yeah. Do you like that beard it's guy? We're done here. Um, okay, so the machine has said that we have to wrap things up here. So let's get first into Critics' Choice. This is when we find out what the 
critics thought at the time this film was released. So I have a positive review from Michael Leader of Sight and Sound, who writes, If you're going to make a film that is essentially a narrative coloring in exercise, you might as well make it zippy and fun. And that's precisely what director Ron Howard delivers. Michael Leader, you work at Sight and Sound. (laughs) What is wrong with you? You should have a better opinion than that. Uh, Anupama Chopra from Film Companion writes, What's on screen simply isn't magical enough. It might please diehard fans to know how Han got the last name or how he made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. But I think even they might be disappointed. And you know what, Anupama? You're correct. 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 You're very correct. By the way, just to point it out here in case we get people writing in, the reason there has been so much fan debate about that is that 12 parsecs is a unit of time rather than a unit of distance. Or sorry, the other way around. Parsecs is a level of distance rather than time. So it's like saying I went to New York in 20 miles. It's like, that doesn't make sense. But he says that in the first film. So where did that time change? Wait, I don't understand. George Lucas... George Lucas thought a parsec was a unit of time, but it is not. It's a unit of distance. Uh, who, so who did, when he wrote it, what I mean back is, in who determined who determined that part that it's time, uh, distance? Who? Well, parsec is an actual real term in physics. Like a parsec oh. is an actual thing. Oh. So George Lucas was looking at stuff and said, "Oh, parsec. I'm going to write that into this script." Oh, I see. But a parsec again is a unit of distance, not a unit of time. Okay. So it's always had this fan debate. So it's basically saying that you got to something in a shorter distance than Which what it actually could is. could kind of make sense in a, uh, I mean, light speed. If you're using a black hole yeah, or something yeah, like that, sure. Thing, but but uh, stupid, stupid. Yeah. Does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant? No, uh, no. It's I mean, no, no, incredibly I think forgettable. This. I will say there are fan campaigns every so often on Twitter about like, make there be a, a solo too. No, here's the other thing. I think we're, we've learned to misuse the word campaign the mm-hmm. word fan and just the word opinion you know i just i feel like <laughs> there's something fundamentally wrong with the way we empower these uh these self narratives helen and i've been wa- helen's been watching this thing and i've been sidle watching uh indian matchmaking anyways one of these oh sure uh, indian matchmaker but when you see these people that can't find a partner you know many of them talk about this idea of like self empowerment and deserving more but i somehow can't get a date you know i think this is the problem right now is we overestimate our egos and our ability to catalog things like fan service the fans don't matter i mean george lucas didn't make star wars for the fans he made a film that developed fans because it was good when did that invert yeah i i I do think that the the whole fan culture has perverted a lot of things because my suspicion absolutely everything that has like a strong but what is called a fan base those are still niche people inside of the people who enjoy it the people who like star wars the vast majority of people who rewatch star wars like i like this movie but they're not going on forums and researching and like, who, you know, who the, reads star on wars this planet is where yoda and like i would i would get i don't know what the percentage is but upwards of like 70 percent are probably like yeah, it's a good movie. I like it. Star Wars is fun. And end of sentence. Like that is, I would put that at 90%. Enjoy. You know, I, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then you go to, like, I, I don't, but if you look at photographs from Comic-Con and you see people dressing up and uh, speaking to each other in different languages, Star Trekies, Marvel Universe people, what is the true percentage of that, what that represents? So, for example, I've been to other conventions and then you get the number of attendees, right? And 
it's fascinating to think about that in terms of the general public. You know, if you have, well, what's a, what's a major Comic Con? Like 100,000 people show up? Probably, yeah. I mean, actually, that's not a lot. 50 to 100 of, somewhere That's now, not yeah. a lot of people, actually, right? So if you had 50,000 people at the Calgary Comic Con show up, what is that as a percentage of the population? It's pretty small. Uh, you know, of the people that go to Comic Con, how, what percent actually give a shit about what they're dressed up as and how many are just coming because it's fun or their kids wanted to do it? You know, then you whittle that even more. And then of that group, how many of them actually read Star Wars novels? <laughs> That's yeah, an even yeah. smaller percentage, but those are the guys that have Twitter accounts, you know? And I think that, I don't know, there's just something poisoning story writing right now. I, we, we tried to, well, Helen tried to watch Peter and Wendy, whatever the new... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I glanced at the opening sequence and I left the room. Like, why the fuck? <laughs> why, Kyle? Why? There's a lot of why questions uh, here. Um, unfortunately, we are in our, our run here of huge blockbuster films, and it's slowly breaking me over the last few oh, weeks, gosh. to be honest with you. And we're about to get a bunch more that are going to break me even further until we get that sweet oasis of Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah. And it's like, mm, yes, more of this, please. Imagine a movie that stars a crazy person, but it's actually fun to watch. Yeah, God forbid. You know, fun and adventurous <laughs> like this movie should have been. That is what Dave and I thought, of course. But what do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave vs the machine at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle KDVSTM. We're also over on Letterboxd, letterboxd.com slash KDVSTM. And we mentioned in our uh, break how you can support us over on Patreon and support us for as low as a dollar per month. Uh, but let's get to the rating of this movie. Dave, out of five, what are you going to give Solo? How low are you going to yeah, go? Yeah. That's literally what the phrase that was just in my mind. How low am I? As you know, when I came into this, I was thinking a two. Oh man, should it be lower than a two? I'm going to go with a two. And I, I think my mm -hmm. justification is that, like you said at the beginning of this episode, I don't hate this movie the way we've found movies that we abjectly hate. You know, they're like yes. really garbage films. So there are little pieces of this that are still fun. Uh, it's just the movie itself is not. So I'll go with the two. Should be like yeah, a it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a drag to watch. I'm giving it my classic 2.5, which is I'm in the middle, like I'm s semi negative towards it, but I also find it fairly forgettable. Yeah, I, I unless I was like Phoebe Waller is passionate about it. Like, Donnie Glover, Donald Glover's finding it, and I have a soft spot yeah. for Paul Bettany. The writing shit. It's fan service. There's some fun sequences. There's yeah, some Wood good Helsen's humor beats here and there, but like yeah, it's completely forgettable, it's not but venom. not an abject. Yeah. Yeah, it's not Venom. It's not Venom. So that's going to average up to 2.25, but we'll round that down to a two. It does not tie with anything, so it's going to enter our list at the new number 15 position, right below Ralph Breaks the Internet and right above Bohemian Rhapsody. I think that's, yeah, I think that's fair. Let's find out what we're watching next week. I'm going to push this button. Oh, we get to see the return of Steven Spielbergo, and we are going to watch Ready Player One. All right. I, I uh, have you read the book? Yes, I read the book after watching this movie. We'll have a discussion about the book, yeah, and the movie. And uh, spoiler alert: I actually have rewatched this movie already. And uh, yeah, that's all. I yeah, have. yeah, we'll talk. The pause that. is good enough. The pa me, I have as it, well. It's actually very similar to this movie, and then it's like. Uh, I don't hate it, but boy, it, uh, it makes itself tough to love too in some spots. It's like watching a plant start to bloom and then collapse mm. on itself. But the good thing, because I'm such a Spielberg fanboy, there's certain sequences I'm like, yep, there's my boy. There's my boy Spielberg <laughs> still, doing his thing. Still taking a swing. All right, we'll watch that next week. And um, what are you going to do with your new flying car? A flying car? I, uh, wait, 
I thought that's what that's the that's the multiverse we live oh, in now. Right. Dave. We have a flying no car. No more corporations. Well, uh, it depends on how high it flies, but it'd be cool to uh, take aerial photographs of all this lush greenery that we've uh, found ourselves living amongst because there's no polluters. We've made it's eco. Amazing. You know, eco. No forest fires raging around us. No, it's amazing. No, right. Uh, I heard that the smoke from the northern part of the fires in Alberta on today, May 15th, is in Ottawa. Ottawa. Oh, nice. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Three provinces and two Great Lakes. Hashtag fuck Trudeau, man. <laughs> Actually, fuck Daniel Smith. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's on record. Yeah. On this, our election day. They should have made a movie with just droids.